Pints with Jack, Season 4, Episode 67. And Pints with Chesterton, Episode 17. Whatever. After Hours with Alan C. Duncan. Welcome, everyone. Pints with Jack is your weekly C.S. Lewis podcast, where normally Matt, Andrew, and I break down and discuss the works of C.S. Lewis. And this season, we were eavesdropping on Screwtape. However, we've now finished all of Screwtape's letters, and today is a Thursday, and it's therefore an after-hours episode. And today is a special crossover episode with another podcast which you might have heard of, Pints with Chesterton. And I am joined by my favorite co-host, seriously, she is my favorite of the two co-hosts, Mrs. Marie Bates. Hello, thank you for having me. So today's episode came about because a few months ago, uh, we received an email from somebody we didn't know. Um, Alan sent us a message letting us know about an audiobook he had just recorded about C.S. Lewis and G.K. Chesterton. So... Yeah, so we wanted to invite him on to a special crossover episode and talk about it. So, with all that, Alan C. Duncan, welcome to Pints with Jack. And Pints with Chesterton. Oh, thank you so much. I, I'm I'm such a, a a big fan of both of your of your work, and so it's so cool to see this crossover happen. I'm I'm very <laughs> excited and and honored to to be a part of this. Well, before we get started, uh, we just want to say thank you for reaching out to us, giving us an opportunity to uh, not only listen to your audiobook but also to talk about it. Well, I appreciate you guys uh, responding back to me because, you know, I mean, you, you all know how it is. Sometimes you, you think, oh, I think these people might enjoy something and you and you send an email and it might just disappear into the ether, never <laughs> yes. to be heard from again. So I <laughs> yes. really appreciate you, you both taking the time to to look into it and and to, you know, find out what it was all about. Yeah, it seemed too perfect. I mean, it was just our two favorite things. And we got excited when we saw your email. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, we'll talk about your audiobook in a moment, but first we have to do the standard Pints with Jack segments. The quote of the week is from Lewis's spiritual autobiography, Surprised by Joy, where he talks about the influence of Chesterton upon him. It was here that I first read a volume of Chesterton's essays. I never heard of him and had no idea of what he stood for, nor can I quite understand why he made such an immediate conquest of me. In reading Chesterton, as in reading MacDonald, I did not know what I was letting myself in for. A young man who wishes to remain a sound atheist cannot be too careful of his reading. There are traps everywhere. And the drink of the week for me is Monkey Shoulder, which was bought for me by my delightful wife. You're welcome. I am having water um, because I'm five and a half months pregnant. <laughs> congratulations, by the way. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah, I don't I don't think I've actually explicitly said it. Uh, several of our guests have alluded to the fact that we are pregnant. Uh, but yeah, we are expecting our child in September, which gives me just enough time to finish convincing Marie that Reaper Cheap is just the sort of name that our son needs to help no. him stand out from the crowd. <laughs> no. <laughs> Give it time. You could Give call it time. him. What, do you, what was the nickname? Be Reap, Reapy, yeah, or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cheap or cheap, Reap or cheap. I guess. <laughs> I'm I'm fully planning on using my emotional manipulation powers when this baby is born and naming them whatever I want to name them. And I'm counting on the overpowering <laughs> epidural. Uh, <laughs> Alan, what are you drinking? I am I am drinking a beer called Bank Boss. It is it is from a, a local uh, 
uh, brewery down the street from my house called Working Class Brewery. And I thought it would just be the perfect amount of local uh, flavor that Chesterton would appreciate, particularly Lewis as well. But particularly Chesterton would appreciate the local nature of it. And it's a, it's a Belgian style beer. And Chesterton was a big fan of uh, the country of Belgium. So Beautiful. So yeah, that, that's what I'm drinking today. Yeah, working class brewery. Thank boss. Well, at this point, we'd normally toast a Patreon supporter. But today I'd like to toast Pints with Chesterton, my wife, Grace, her co-host, and of course my unborn child. So if you'll please raise your glass. May you all have lives filled with wit and whimsy. Cheers. 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 Oh, hang on. That, that, that didn't sound good. Oh, okay. oh, that was good. That was a good one. I'm going to clink the microphone. <laughs> we Did all have our... We're, we're leaving ring. that in. We're leaving that in. <laughs> Having our editor take it out. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, okay. So, Alan, could you please kick things off by telling the listeners a little bit about your background? Sure. Absolutely. Um, well, I I was uh, born and raised uh, a pastor's kid, kind of in Northeast Ohio in the Cleveland area. Um, went off to college to Malone University to study Bible and theology there. I actually got my Malone hat on now. Um, that's about an hour uh, south of Cleveland in, in a city called Canton. And uh, the Pro Football Hall of Fame is actually there. Um, actually played uh, four years of, of football there at Malone. As kind of a, a backup tailback, little um, little scat back kind of a guy, very undersized. Um, got kicked around a lot, but it was it was fun. <laughs> it was it was a good time. Um, yeah, uh, graduated from from college with a degree in Bible and theology, and then I went to work for an organization shortly after that that I've been with ever since, uh, called the American Policy Roundtable. They're a kind of a think tank, kind of a, a media and public policy organization that that tries to remind Americans of kind of the uh, the first principles that the country was founded on. Mm-hmm. As Chesterton said, America is the only nation that was founded on a creed, um, this that all people are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. So we try to remind people of those freedoms. And they were given to us not from our government, but from God. And so we have a, a podcast and a radio broadcast Actually, it started as a radio broadcast first, and then now it's disseminated in many ways, uh, called The Public Square. Okay. And so it talks about those those kinds of themes. And so that's who actually uh, published my, my book. And that's where I kind of developed some of the audio engineering abilities to, to produce an audio product for this book as well. That's amazing. What a great organization to work for. That sounds so cool. It has been pretty exciting and um, very educational over the years. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Lewis and Chesterton. When did you first come across Lewis? Very early, as as a child. My dad would read me Lewis, you know, kind of bedtime stories type stuff. And so, you know, I was venturing into the wardrobe early in my childhood. So I, I, I grew up with knowing a, a lot about Lewis. And then I, I got into reading him more for myself in college. And then just kind of throughout my adult life, um, I you know, I would read The Problem of Pain. I would read you know, his grief observed and, and you know, uh, abolition of man. Because like I said, I work for this this organization. Lewis has talked about a lot during that organization, um, you know, during meetings and radio broadcasts. And, and that's where I actually heard of Chesterton first as well. Oh, wow. um, the CEO of our organization uh, 
you know, he'd record radio broadcasts and he'd, he'd quote Chesterton. Chesterton yeah. and Lewis are both very quotable. Yes. <laughs> you know, you can pull little little chunks of them. And, and if they had been Twitter back when those guys were living, like it would have been amazing <laughs> stuff that they could have done. Yeah. Um, that would have been one of the redeeming things about the, the platform. Yeah. But I kept hearing my boss quote him and I thought, I, I've got to I've got to find out about this guy. So I was I was into my adult years before I found Chesterton. OK. And uh, I tell people that when I read him, it, it was like water soaking into dry earth. That mm. That's the way I felt when I read Chesterton for the first time. And we're so blessed that he was as prolific of a writer as he was, because <laughs> yeah. there's just an I mean, we've talked about it on our podcast before, how Grace and I don't even expect to be able to read everything he wrote in our lifetime. Yeah, it's amazing. So, OK, the audiobook. how did you research it and record an audiobook about Chesterton and Lewis? What what made you decide to want to marry those two together or see how they influenced each other? Well, I like I was saying, I had fallen in love with uh, Chesterton. I'd always I'd always known of known of and loved Lewis my my whole life, but then I found out about Chesterton, and so I started just going down the rabbit hole. As you know, it's very easy to do. Like you said, there's just an almost feels like an endless supply of Chesterton. So, <laughs> you know, I was I read the Blatchford controversies first, and then I kind of was like, oh, that was interesting. Put it aside. Uh, then I came back. I read Heretics, and that's when I felt, oh, I love this person. Like, I was like seven pages in, I'm like, oh, okay, I love this guy. Yes, yeah, it was, uh, yeah. And then so then I, I went on. I read, I read Orthodox. So I was just reading all this stuff. So I started to listen to podcasts about Chesterton as well. And so Uncommon Sense with Nancy Brown was a podcast at the time. She's not doing doing that uh, anymore. They still have Uncommon Sense going, but Nancy Brown's not working on that particular podcast. Adrian Alquist is is doing that. Shout out, Adrian. Um, and so Dale Alquist, the president of the Society of Gilbert Keith Chesterton, was on the podcast and they were doing kind of a live debate. And, and it was a Chesterton versus Lewis debate. They were just having <laughs> fun with it. Yeah. Which that would be fun for you guys to do a little back and forth <laughs> one of these days. It's a good idea. Maybe, maybe we could get a little heated today. I don't know. Yeah. Um, You're going down, Mrs. Bates. Okay. Okay. <laughs> We'll see. Do you want dinner tonight? Or? <laughs> she is carrying your child. so <laughs> That's an unfair advantage. Two versus one. Yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. Um, so, so Dale Alquist on that podcast says, says, well, did Lewis and Chesterton ever meet? That's a question some people have mm, uh, that mm. know of both of them. They want to know, well, did these guys ever meet? They didn't meet face to face. But Dale Alquist said, well, they did meet while Lewis was reading Chesterton's works. And and he said that he wrote notes in the margins of these books. And I thought, I have to see those books. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> where blown. they are. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, that exists? Stuff Lewis wrote in the margins of Chesterton's books exists? I got to see it. Yeah. So... I started searching online. I thought these are going to be in England. There's no possible way that they're in um, in the States. Right. And indeed, some of his library is, I believe, at Roxton College. Uh, there is some stuff in England. I, I'd love to get there sometime. But the Wade Center and Wheaton uh, College also has a nice chunk of Lewis's library, uh, as well as other authors as well, as well as Chesterton, too. Um, and so you can book a day, you can go sit down and you can look at and check out books that uh, Chesterton wrote, that Lewis owned and Lewis wrote in the margins. And 
it was really, really cool. My dad went with me and we just had a great day. That is amazing. <laughs> yeah, when I first took Marie to England, when she was my lowly girlfriend, not even <laughs> wife and mother of my child, <laughs> uh, we went to Oxford and we got to see Chesterton's library. So his books oh, with his... No my. Those Gosh. are hilarious. The guy liked to doodle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he did. Yeah. yeah. He didn't do so, in the books we saw at least, he didn't do so many notes as he did draw swords and little guys fighting. And But it it was really, I mean, it was really interesting because we admire them so much and we read their works as as these great minds, but they were regular people who read other people's books and drew <laughs> drew doodles in the in the margins they weren't thinking oh i'm i'm you know creating a portal for people to look back at me in a hundred years they were just living and reading and writing you know yeah it's amazing it, it's funny you mentioned that i i did check out some of uh, Chesterton's library because the Wade Center has some of his too so i and so i have seen some some of that doodling that you're talking about and it's funny Lewis's handwriting and penmanship, though it changes a little bit over the years, maybe we can talk about that some later, but it's pretty concise. It's pretty neat. It's very ordered. You can like tell what's going on in his mind. And then you look at Chesterton stuff. There was one, I don't know if it was coffee or wine, but it was splashed <laughs> and spilled and dried all over this book. I'm like, well, he's drinking something that day. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're right. He's just drawing these like old guys' faces in profile and just the weirdest <laughs> stuff. Yeah. It, it, I just loved it. It was they're they're so similar in so, so many ways, but also so very different in so many ways. And and I just love that. Oh, totally. Yeah. 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 I love imagining each of them writing in in the different settings that they would have written in. And you know, all the stories you hear about Chesterton, it's like he was in a pub, he was in bed, he was like sitting at his breakfast table or whatever. But with Lewis, it felt like he had a little bit more of a um, like, structure yeah, and he, he was sitting at his writing desk for a lot of his writing. And, you know, he had a, a, yeah, a more structured way of doing things, which is funny because that's like David and I exactly. Like, I was going to ask, do you find that that, yeah, yeah the, 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 the show notes came over to me. I saw it. I said, oh, okay, we, we're going to be more Lewis today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is this is not from me. I didn't make the notes. But, uh, yeah, it's really nice. They had a lot to learn. I mean, Lewis learned so much from Chesterton. I'm sure Chesterton, if he had been the one who had come later, would have learned from Lewis as well. So. Oh, that's interesting. That is, that is interesting to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've heard people say um, – once you discover Chesterton, you don't need to read Lewis anymore. Dale Alquist says that. We're going to fight. I, I <laughs> wasn't going to name names. I wasn't going to name names. But God bless but you, Dale. I, I don't, We're okay yes. with you. <laughs> yes, yes. I, but I, I do disagree with that. I, I think that they both, um, like I said, they're similar, but they're very different. Uh, Chesterton is, is kind of more freewheeling and, and, and go with the flow. And that's so necessary and that's going to impact people in a certain way. But Lewis is, is so very tight and structured and concise. Like it's, it's just a different thing. Yeah. And you can't, I mean, it would be such a, a less colorful, less interesting world if, if we started making those kinds of statements, even just about poetry. It's not like because we had Byron, 
Yeah. You know, we don't want Whitman or, you know, like you you don't want to say, well, this poet was, you know, we had Shakespeare, so we don't need any of these poets who came later. No, they they all add to the richness of language and uh, the human experience. So, yeah. And they also talk to each other, which is the great thing about mm. your audiobook. We get to see the conversation, so to speak, that they had. Mm. Yeah. That that's really cool. Well, I think Dale is probably kidding when he says it. I think I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't want to speak I for him, but so. I hope he's well. <laughs> he's if a, you look he's at a, the, not a he's a wise man, so I think he he would realize that was foolish to if, say. If he knows well, what's good for him. <laughs> if he knows well, the screw tape good. letters, the screw tape letters is required reading for the Chesterton Academy. Uh, it's on their reading list. So I think because that yeah, the screw tape letters is something uh, as you guys have just been going through. Chesterton doesn't have something exactly like that like there's not that's totally i think chesterton may have influenced it but what lewis did with that is not something that really anybody i, I think has ever done yeah so you, you don't want to lose that yeah now you sent us your audiobook it uh, firstly how do people get the audiobook i'll put links and everything in the show notes and also is it audio only or is there a print version as well oh thanks for asking um the place that i'm directing everybody right now is um the radio broadcast that I work for as as producer and one of the panel members is is the Public Square. As I talked about, we have a, a free phone app that people can can download. The audiobook is there on that phone app for absolutely free if people want to do it. So we're directing people to the Public Square app, uh, mobile app, and they can listen to the book there. That said, I know it's kind of difficult. A lot of times, people that listen to audiobooks have a very specific way they like to do it a specific site that they use. So it is other places as well. It should be most places where you can get an audiobook at this time. Okay, great. Yeah. And it's it's we're working on a print version and but there is a, a Kindle ebook uh as well. Great. So so folks can do that. So in the preface to your audiobook, you talked about how you did the research. So can you please tell our listeners, how did you discover the details of Chesterton's influence upon Lewis? You've hinted at it already. Sure. Um, okay, so so the the Marion E. Wade Center at Wheaton College, for, for anybody that's listening to to this podcast, you're, you'd probably really like the library. You should probably just go. Um, they're, just, just, they're great, great folks there. Um, and... Uh, yeah, so we we emailed them, and it's interesting. You have to go through some protocols. You have to tell them exactly what books you want to to mm. look at. Uh, they have kind of a database on their website where you can go through and see. Okay, this is C.S. Lewis's library, and these are all the books he owned. Like you could go look at his copies of like Chaucer and Shakespeare, and all these different different things are there. Uh, but we had limited time, so we we checked out just the Chesterton books that he owned that had annotations in the margins because they've cataloged them for you. It says these these books on these pages have some kind of notation. So we checked out eleven of those books ahead of time, and then got there and they had them all because they're they're not just like on shelves necessarily; they're kind of back in the yeah. the caverns of the library. <laughs> so they bring them out to you one at a time. And they place them on this like pillow before you, and you can't have any ink, no no pens, and no uh, they put you right up front. No coffee. <laughs> no drink. Yeah, no. There was no pints. We had no <laughs> yeah, pints. Um, yeah. With, at least with Cheston's books, how would they know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he did that, not me. That was him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So then we just went through. We just kind of had yellow legal pads and, and went through and just co- hand copied every page and every note that wow. was in that was in the book. 
And so it kind that of, is so cool. It was really fun. I mean, in like the nerdiest possible way, it was just very fun. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so and it was cool to do with my dad. You know, he and I would be like whispering back and forth and stuff. And, you know, we, you know, we we're kind of looking at the security cameras and there were things we <laughs> wanted to take pictures of. Um, there were no pictures allowed because yeah. all these notes are owned by the different like Lewis Company and stuff. But uh, yeah, so it was it, just so it was just a great time. Is your dad a fan of of Lewis and Chesterton as well? Then, yes, yeah, he so he introduced me to to Lewis, and then I I kind of introduced him to Chesterton. I said, hey, you gotta you gotta read this guy, um, and <laughs> yeah. so he's he started to read it, and um, yeah, my dad's taking notes in the margins of his Chesterton books now, oh, so you should see his copy awesome. of Orthodoxy. It's very cool. <laughs> that <Yeah>. is so <laughs> cool. Mm-hmm. You were saying about how every Lewis fan should go to the Wade Center. I think we're going to do another announcement. Marie and I just bought a house and it's in Wisconsin, (laughs) which is just a few hours drive from the Marigny Wade Center. So I'm just going to now call that our summer home. (laughs) I like it. Yeah. It's a beautiful building. Uh, the The Kilby Reading Room is where is where all the the books are stored and where you sit. But yeah, the the, the building itself is very beautiful. Yeah. David's very excited. He's maybe more excited about that than the house. I'm like, oh, the kitchen. He's like, we can drive three hours to the Wade Center. I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. Woo-hoo. Have you been to Have you been to the Wade Center before? No, neither of us. No, okay, Mm-mm. okay. But but you've been to England, and seen really cool stuff too. I've so, been there once or that, twice. That, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have yeah. gotten to see some really cool things there. But it would be great to see what they have in their collection here. So, um, okay, so David. David really wanted us to talk about the problem that your wife raised during your research. So can you tell everybody about that a little bit? Okay, so we found the notes in in the margins and and really there were more notes in the kind of the blank back flaps of of pages, particularly in orthodoxy. Uh, Fancies versus fads, I think, has some of that. uh, Heretics a little bit. But particularly orthodoxy, there's just tons of handwritten notes in the back of orthodoxy. And so I started to, I said, hey, I think I can make a book out of this. I'm telling, I'm telling my wife, I, I'm like, I think, because I was just going to, I always kind of had in the back of my mind, maybe I'm going to write a book about this. Uh, but I just wanted to see this stuff, even if nothing came out of it. I just wanted to hold books that these guys owned. Like that would have been cool too, just enough. But I was like, I think there can be a project here. So I started writing the book. And I'm talking to my wife about it. And she, and she says, well, how do you know that these notes are even written by C.S. Lewis himself? Mm. You know, like you buy used books and there's stuff already written in them. Um, and, I, and I said, and I, I thought, that's a really good question. <laughs> <You're> like, <"Boo!"> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I tried to ignore it a little bit. Uh, it, Truth be told, I had kind of wondered it once or twice mm. myself, but I was also trying to suppress that. Like, no, this is just too cool. Like, we're just <laughs> going to go. We're going to go. We're going to go. We're going to go. Um, but she, but see, I, I, I say in the book, and it's true, so I'll say it again here. I have to read like 10 good books to get to where my wife already was. Mm. My wife's the kind of person who like Chesterton would have like really loved, like like just common sense. Like she grew up like the first eight years of her life on like a Texas farm. She's just like a, a good-hearted, common-sense person that I, t- I tell her all the time that she knows how to bottom line stuff. Mm. <laughs> like she she doesn't have to like take the long way. She just like gets it right away. And so for her to ask that question, I was like, 
I'm like, I think I need to listen to her. I got to figure this out. <laughs> oh, don't you hate that moment? Yeah. yeah. You're like, oh, I have to be intellectually honest about this right <laughs> I now. I was talking about listening to your wife, but uh, that too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I email. I managed to come upon the, the contact information for the now late uh, Walter Hooper, who most C.S. Lewis fans love Walter Hooper because he... Uh, kind of Lewis's literary executor towards the end of his life and um, really helped to preserve Lewis's writings for for future generations, saved some of his stuff from being burned, literally. Mm. Just a, a great guy. Marie and I actually met him briefly when we were in Oxford. Did you really? Just after looking at all oh the Chesterton stuff. Oh my we were, gosh. We were, we were wandering around in the church next door afterwards before mass was going to start. And then I just stopped dead in my tracks and Marie went, what is it? And I went, I'm pretty sure that's Walter Hooper. <laughs> Oh my goodness! How long ago was that? That was two years ago. Yeah, two summers two, ago. Okay. Yeah. She wow. she offered to tackle him for me. Yeah. It's not many <laughs> not many people's wives would be willing to do that to an old man. Well, I was That's like, we've nice got to secure you. the moment, you know. But he he was walking with a cane, so I think it was a good idea not to <laughs> not to do that. <laughs> you knew that. he wasn't he wasn't going anywhere quickly. Him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you got to ch- chat with him for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That that's beautiful. Well, I didn't get to meet him, but he and I did exchange uh, an email, and uh, so I kind of asked him. I said, "Hey, this is what we found at the Wade Center. Uh, does this sound like something Lewis would have done?" I was trying to just get anywhere close to some sort of authentication, mm. and and so he emails us back this very nice nice letter. It, it's it's in the book, um, but it didn't exactly quell our fears uh, completely. He tells this this story about this American student over in England who's looking at Lewis's notes in the margins of a book and and was going to write some kind of a paper or something about it. And and he must have seen her doing it and he said, "Oh, I hate to burst your bubble kind of a thing, but that's not Lewis's handwriting." And uh which is first of all, that's very sweet that he knew Lewis's handwriting that well. Yeah. That he could just spot it right off like that. that that's kind of adorable, honestly. Uh, <laughs> but um, but he emails this to me, and I'm thinking, that's not. That doesn't sound like you're not, like you're not filling hear. me with confidence yeah. <laughs> here. So it's probably yeah. not him. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, and he also talked about how Lewis liked to take notes in books in pen and stuff. And I'm thinking, I saw no pen. Like mm. almost no pen. It was pretty much all pencil, pencil stuff. And I'm thinking, great. Like we just, we, I just, I, these chapters have to just be scrapped. This yeah. is nothing. So then I stumbled upon uh, a character who's in the book as well, uh, Dr. Charlie Starr. And he is kind of this, this Lewis handwriting expert. Like I didn't know such a person existed. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Charlie Starr has written articles and charts and graphs about Lewis's handwriting. I guess it changes over the years or it changed over the years. And so he's got them in categories and eras and periods and times. Wow. Yeah, it's it's amazing stuff. So I got permission from the library for them to send photographs of the notations in question to Dr. Starr. He checked them out for us and he finally emailed us back and said, yes, this is this is authentic Lewis stuff. Yay. And so we Woo! Were overjoyed, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so thank you, Dr. Starr. Much appreciated. Yeah, couldn't have done the book without him. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So each of the chapters of your book have fantastic names, Smith and Signal Boxes, Jokes as well as Justice. So uh, I wanted just to talk about a few of the chapters and just to give the listeners a bit of a taste of what they can experience. 
So the first one that I want to talk about is chapter three, Goblins and Goodness. Mm. Uh, there you talk about the connection that both Lewis and Chesterton had to George MacDonald. Uh, would you mind just unpacking that a little? Yeah, George MacDonald was a was a Scottish writer um, who who lived during the during the eighteen hundreds, and he was kind of a forerunner, I think, to a lot of the the thought that would come come later. And I'm particularly fond of him. My last name's Duncan. I have some Scottish blood on my dad's side, and so I'm I'm always happy to see a a, a Scottish uh, writer being being praised. But it's it's somebody who that Chesterton was fond of and somebody that 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 lewis lewis was very influenced by Mm -hmm. by mcdonald he called him his master in in many ways um and so it was it was just interesting to kind of i didn't expect mcdonald to pop up as as a character in Mm. in this research but but he kind of kept coming up because chesterton would talk about him lewis would talk about him they they'd cross pollinate um this information and it, it a lot of it centered around a particular quote that God is easy to please, but hard to satisfy. Lewis and Chesterton both resonated with that quote. Wow. Is, am I misremembering? Is it Fantasties that Lewis said his imagination was baptized mm-hmm. by it? He said, the yeah. he said the brightness of the book sort of came out into the rest of the world. Yeah. Yeah. McDonald's amazing. Uh, although I am trying to finish Fantasties right now and I don't like it as much as some of his other books. But I, I, I still... heard you say that on the podcast. I heard you yeah. say that. on. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, I, I, used to, I, I haven't read it yet. I haven't read it yet. So I'm interested to, to jump into that myself. I was reading it to Marie and she kept falling asleep each time I did that. So she's now on her own. There are certain books. Yeah, you tried. You tried. There are certain books that we've been able to get through that way, but other books that just make me fall asleep. So anyway. Oh, I have a, a McDonald book on my shelf. Here, let me show it to you real quick. Hang on. This was cool. I just found this at a used bookstore. It's The Light Princess by George McDonald, but pictures oh. by Maurice Sendak of Where the Wild Things Are. Huh. Which I thought that's such a cool I never would have What an interesting combo. Yeah. Yeah. So I have I've started it, but I haven't really gotten to it. But it's these really like detailed rendered sorry your listeners won't be able to see it but you guys can <laughs> that's beautiful <laughs> these really detailed uh pictures so i'm gonna i'm gonna read this to my kids for bedtime stories i think nice um well if you read yeah. it to marie she will fall asleep oh, I She'll fall asleep. <laughs> would you have to stay up to look at the pictures though yeah um, yeah luckily it's okay he's not responsible for my bedtime stories you are so <laughs> it's all on you um, so in chapter six of your book, Appetite of Infancy, you mentioned Chesterton puppet shows, which are so fun and I, I've read about in various biographies. And when David and I were in England, we got to see some of his various articles, including puppets. See and play with. Yes, we did oh, get to touch. Stop, seriously? We got oh, to, my we fingerprints got, are over everything. We did get to touch oh. everything. I think it was like this blessed week period before, <laughs> like week-long period before they were moving this whole collection of, of Chesterton's belongings, and they just... They're not a museum, so they weren't like making us wear gloves oh. or anything. Or paying attention <laughs> yeah. as we were sword oh fighting. <laughs> yeah, we just Chesterton was, kind of a was smiling from above. I, I know that's his style. He wouldn't want it to be yeah, so, no. you know, I don't know, careful. But think um, about it. When was the last time those puppets were played with? Like, right? 
It could have been him. Right. You could have been the next people. <laughs> the next that children. Played. Well, yes. knowing him, I feel like he and Francis, they gave away like everything when they passed. So I think oh, probably yeah. they did get some use, but you're right. I mean, now he wouldn't, yeah. he would have wanted them to be used. So. <laughs> and apparently all of this stuff has been sent to a museum in London. I don't know, given COVID, if it actually opened, oh, man, uh, but yeah. I can assure you that unless they have cleaned his glasses, my thumbprint is on the right hand lens. Yeah. Now in that chapter, Appetite of Infancy, uh, you also quote what is probably my favorite line from On Three Ways of Writing for Children. It's the line, when I became a man, I put away childish things, including the fear of childishness and the desire to be very grown up. And also in that chapter, you talk about someone that we recently mentioned on Barfield Month, Lewis's goddaughter, Lucy. Yeah, well, it, to me, it's interesting that Lewis said... Lewis was kind of on record. Well, first of all, we know Lewis now as this guy who who wrote one of the classic children's uh, sagas of all time, um, which is another reason why you have to read Chesterton because or, we have to read Lewis because Chesterton doesn't have something like the Chronicles of Narnia in his catalog. But we know him as this children's author. But he was on record saying, you know, I really wasn't that fond of children <laughs> until the war brought them to me. So London is undergoing this bombing siege during World War II. And, you know, so kids were evacuated from London. They, they move into to Lewis's home. And, and the first time I guess he really gets to be around kids, he, he actually finds that he does like them. And so I think that he might not have liked the idea of kids, but he always did. He always <laughs> he always would have liked the kids. I think that that's the first chance he got to be around them. He found that he liked them. My, so my suspicion is that Lewis was quite an odd child as a child, mm. and mm. other kids didn't understand him, and so I think he just assumed mm. that that would just continue through. Mm. Yeah, and he he was such a he was such a bachelor for so long, you know. So as you said, he just wasn't exposed to them really. Well, and his work was such the, the kind of stuff that he did, the amount of writing and thinking that he had to do requires a lot of alone time. You know, I've got two, two kids. I have a six and a 10 year old and, you know, I, I like to write. It's very hard to write with a six <laughs> and a 10 year old. It, it is. So um, any writing that you two want to get done before this child uh, comes out, you should you should write. Yeah. <laughs> okay, babe. Three months. Let's go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so also in Chapter 8, um, The Binding Bet of Marriage, um, you talked about Chesterton's marriage to Francis and Lewis's marriage to Joy. So what, what were some of the things that you found that each of them said about marriage? Yeah, well, well Chesterton uh, compared marriage to a bet, this binding bet, kind of this gamble. Amen to that. You're rolling the dice. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes you she, win, sweetheart. Sometimes you uh, win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, some uh, Chesterton saw all of life as this great adventure, and so of course he sees marriage as this as this exciting this 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 gamble this bet. It's just you you don't know what's going to happen, and so he's just got this excitement about entering mm -hmm. into marriage. Um, but in the book, I kind of talk about so I talk kind of about the joy of of the beginning of Chesterton's marriage because he was just so excited when, when he got engaged. He writes like a letter and a poem to her practically when they get engaged. Um, Way to make us all look bad. Yeah, I know. Seriously. Um, uh, and then so Lewis, I kind of talk about the end of his marriage, uh, sadly. Uh, 
But uh, so in A Grief Observed, mm -hmm. Lewis compares marriage to a dance and that even after a spouse leaves you uh, through death, you don't have to really stop dancing with them. It's kind of the final figure is the death and then you kind of can still get to learn to love that person even when they're away. And I just thought it was just a beautiful way to think about it. And it seemed to be one of the only things that gave him peace during that time. Because mm. uh, A Grief Observed is a tough read. I read it on summer vacation with my family at the beach. <laughs> and I was like in agony. I'm like, why am I reading this? This is brutal. Not a beach read. I love read. this guy. <laughs> yeah, it was not a beach read. Although it did kind of say, you know, enjoy these moments that you have with mm. your wife and kids. Just enjoy them. In that sense, it was a very helpful read. Yeah. I first read A Grief Observed one Saturday morning, I want to say about five months into marriage. Marie was asleep. I went out, got my copy, cup of tea, climbed back into bed and read it from cover to cover. So I think I'm equally weird. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, I didn't do it in one sitting. That's pretty amazing. Uh, I wake up and you're yeah. crying <laughs> next like, to me. Yeah, I love yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, you're like, please don't die. Yeah. I love both of them on marriage because they both very clearly believed and lived in their marriages that it's such a precious gift to be married and the love that each of them had for their wives is just so beautiful and I, I don't know we frequently talk to people about marriage as some of our friends are heading that way and some of our friends who are newly married like us as well but shout um, out to Joe who just got engaged last night yes congratulations <laughs> Joe and Kylie but congrats so, like, the, the world tells us today that if you're not happy one day, do what makes you happy, even at the expense of your spouse, at the expense of the, the family around you. But they just saw marriage as such a gift and something that is more important than day-to-day -day happiness. And like Lewis's grief when Joy died... He still saw the beauty and like appreciated his marriage to her so much, even though he suffered so much because of it. Yeah, it was like he didn't have to he didn't have to um, stop loving her. You know, I think that he realized he didn't have to stop loving her. And, and I don't know. It's, it's just yeah, you're right. It's a beautiful it's a beautiful picture. So moving on, my favorite chapters were definitely the ones towards the end. Chapter 9, which was Modern Day Madman, where you examine how they both push back on chronological snobbery. And Chapter 10, Jokes as Well as Justice, where you talk about Chesterton's humor when debating and Lewis's letters to children, which are adorable. Mm -hmm. And you also had an interesting hypothesis about the interaction between orthodoxy and the screw tape letters. Uh, so would you mind talking about some of those things, Chapter 9, Chapter 10, and your screw tape hypothesis? Sure. Let's go right to. Let's talk about that last one first. Let's jump right to to the the screw tape hypothesis. I've got it right here. I've got my copy of of screw tape right here. Um, in the preface of screw tape, Lewis says this. Let me let me read it here. Because um, Lewis was trying to figure out how he wanted to depict the 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 demonic characters in screw tape. Just trying to you know how, how do I, how do I write them? And he quotes Chesterton. He says, "Satan said Chesterton fell through force of gravity." He said, we must picture hell as a state where everyone is perpetually concerned about his own dignity and advancement, where everyone has a grievance and where everyone lives the deadly serious passions of envy, self-importance and resentment. And so he's talking about, I'm not going to make my demonic characters funny and frivolous. I'm going to make them 
dark and serious and evil uh, because he he saw other writers making the demonic kind of kind of funny or light in some way. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, we're going to make it evil. And I, I think that his reading of Chesterton, as he quotes him here in Screwtape itself in the 1961 preface, to me, I'm thinking, you know what, maybe he kind of learned that from from Chesterton, at least in some way, he was reminded, you know what, I'm going to make these guys dark and evil because that's what evil is. It's not funny. Evil can't mm-hmm. be funny. I mean, maybe we can laugh about something that's that's bad that happens to us, but but evil itself is is self-serious and not humorous. You have to have a little bit of humility in order to be funny. Yeah, precisely. Angels can fly because they can take themselves lightly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Um, all right, which other ones? What do you want to talk about? Which other ones? Chapter 9, Modern Day Madman, where they both push back on chronological snobbery and jokes as well as justice. Cheston's humor when debating and Lewis's letters to children. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, let's talk about Lewis's letters to to children for uh, for a little bit. One of my favorite things about reading those letters is kind of how often he kind of has to answer the same question about about Narnia, and he's not too good for it. He just answers it again. Uh, someone else writes him, it's the same question, but he, and he answers it again. Um, and that's just in the volume that I have. He does it a couple of times. It's kind of the same question. He'll answer it again. The editors of that book, which is, I don't know if it was Walter Hooper or not, but the editors of that book probably left out so many other times that he answered the same Mm. question. Yeah. Mm. And so I just found that is kind of the, the, one of the great signs of humility in Lewis. This is this great author and writer and lecturer and, and he's just answering these these sweet questions from children time and time and time and time again. And I, and I just, I loved that. Yeah. I'm not such a good man. One of the reasons I first started a blog was just simply so I could write something once. And then when everyone, <laughs> when anyone asked me the question again, I could just say, go look at my blog. It's up there. And then I could walk <laughs> away. Well, you responded to my email. And so I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it may take us months, but we do respond <laughs> in the end. Well, David responds much more quickly than I do. You're good about that. Well, and this, this kind of gets us to the modern, you know, we talk about modern day madmen as one of the chapters. It would have been interesting to see these, see these guys um, living in this modern day society and what they would have said about certain technologies. I think we can extrapolate from their writings and try to layer them on to, to some of the things that we're going through in our modern in our modern day. And I, I mm. think it they've got a lot to say about it. And that's one of the things that I like about the writing. It's very timeless. You've got to do a little work to, to transfer it 100 years, in Chesterton's case many times, mm. transfer it 100 years. Lewis, you know, not quite that far, but still pretty far. And see what would they what would they say about you know social media? What would they say about smartphones? What would they say yeah. about our use of this and what it's doing to our minds? Yeah, um, I think they'd have a lot of warnings for us. <laughs> and what about Cheston's humor when debating? I also like that part in particular. Oh, well, yeah, thanks. Thanks for bringing that up. Uh, one of my favorite kind of anecdotes is comes about the time when when Chesterton debates Clarence Darrow. You know, when I was a kid in school, we had to read uh we had to read about the Scopes Monkey Trial. It was this big debate in 1925. We're actually talking about this on my radio broadcast, The Public Square, the next couple of weeks. Um, this big trial, creation versus evolution. Evolution was being banned in Tennessee schools. And so Clarence Darrow comes in to defend this poor teacher who's getting criticized for teaching evolution. And it's this big show trial. It's called the Trial of the Century in America. 
And um, they made a, a stage play, Inherit the Wind, out of it. And then they made the film, uh, Inherit the Wind, out of it as well, starring Spencer Tracy and a bunch of other famous people. And basically the Clarence Darrow character, I think they changed his name, but the Clarence Darrow lawyer character basically eviscerates uh, fundamentalist religion and stakes this this win for science and progress in the face of, of these stupid religious folks. Um, Chesterton heard about that, you know, all the way across the pond, Chesterton hears about this. And when Chesterton came over for the, uh, for the second time to America, uh, they said, hey, you want to debate Darrow um, in New York City before a crowd of 4,000 people? Chesterton says, yeah, yeah, why not? You know, it's, and so it's dubbed <laughs> the Clash of the Titans. And uh, it, sadly, we don't have a transcript of the full debate, but the newspaper accounts of it afterwards say that Chesterton just mopped the floor with Darrow. And, but it was just, it's just cool because people talk about how Chesterton, he was just smarter, funnier, uh, kinder, nicer. The power went out during the, the debate at one point and Chesterton jumps up and says, you know, ah, see, science is not infallible and the crowd loved it. <laughs> and so he just always had that, that wit and that whimsy and that, and that levity to mm. him. And uh, I think that we can learn a lot in our modern day, kind of in our current politics. It's very polarized and people want to fight. And Chesterton was not somebody to back down from a debate, but he did it in a way that uh, Clarence Darrow at the end of his life said, you know, I, I love that guy, basically. You know, he's a great guy. Yeah, he made all, all of his quote unquote enemies or, uh, you know, the opposition love him. Yeah, he did. I, like we need to, to learn from that, I think. Yeah. And humor and levity goes a long way with it, I think. Yeah. Mm. So what was your main takeaway from doing all of this research and putting together the audiobook? Uh, my main, I mean, my main takeaway is very simple. Uh, I love both of these guys. I love Gilbert. I love Jack. You know, I love G.K. Chesterton and C.S. Lewis. Um, and I want people to familiarize themselves with, with these writers if they, if they haven't already. Um, Another thing that I that I think about is is how books have affected us. I mean, you know, we're sitting here talking about authors today. Um, if you feel like God's given you uh, a book to write, write it because somebody might be talking about it fifty years from now, hundred years from now, it might impact them. I'm very grateful for these for these men who have followed what God had for them and and wrote these works that have helped me so greatly in my in my spiritual development. So. You know, I'm just very, very grateful. I think that's what I take from it. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on this crossover episode with Pints with Jack and Pints with Chesterton. Um, where can people go to find out more about you and your audiobook? Oh, well, again, thanks for asking. And thank you guys for having me. This has been so fun. Uh, like I said, I, I listen to, to both of you guys' stuff. You know, the Eagle and Child videos, I love. I think that that's some of the, the best stuff. If you've got like a skeptic friend or somebody who's wondering about the faith, you, you could send them to those Eagle and Child videos. And, and I, I'm reading uh, Man Alive along with, with you ladies. And so I really uh, appreciate what you do. Slowly but surely. <laughs> so, I know. I need to catch up. I'm a couple behind. No, so, no. You're, we're behind. It's not you. <laughs> Pregnant. 
pregnancy, man. Uh, we'll blame it on the baby. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. But um, but yeah, I guess. Uh, so thank you guys for what you're doing and thanks for having me. Um, if somebody wants to find out about the book, again, the Public Square app is a great place to, um, you know, you could just search Alan C. Duncan. Um, AlanCDuncan.net is my is my uh, website. Um, follow me on Twitter at Alan C. Duncan. Um, just look for Gilbert and Jack, any place that you get your books and and hopefully it'll be there. Alan, thanks so much for coming on the show. And we'd also like to thank all of our Patreon supporters, especially our top tier supporters, Gary, Kevin, Brian, Kay, Monique, Paul, Kimberly, Gillis, Jake, Stephen, Matt, Jeff, Chris, John, James, Kate, and Rowdy. And Marie, my little marshmallow, my little croissant. Oh my God. Where can people go to find Pints with Chesterton? And what sort of thing do you talk about on your delightful podcast? Um, you can go to pintswithchesterton.com and... We have so far talked about Father Brown, some poetry, and we are going to try to finish Man Alive before this baby comes. <laughs> and uh, then we'll be diving into orthodoxy. So please join us there. David, where can people find Pints with Jack? Thank you, my bright star. We are... <laughs> <laughs> I swear he doesn't do this normally. <laughs> you can find out about Pints with Jack at pintswithjack.com. And we go through the works of C.S. Lewis, chapter by chapter. And so far, we've done Mere Christianity, The Great Divorce, Till We Have Faces, and The Screwtape Letters. And about the time this is coming out, we should be in the middle of Screwtape Proposes a Toast. And listeners, please join us all next time. When we'll be going further up. And further in. Cheers. 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 Woohoo! Yay! <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so hot. <laughs>